2012 when God began to put the vision in our hearts for these building renovations. That is a long time ago, you know what I'm saying? And it was actually a year that we spent working on the plans and putting together the ideas, trying to come up with how we're going to finance it and make it all happen. And in August of 2013, we actually broke ground on the building and we thought, man, so cool, so exciting, it's going to get started. And then it was another six months dealing with the city and trying to get permits and all of that kind of stuff until finally in December of 2013, we actually began to do the work. And I'm telling you what, it has been now, it's now it's April of 2015. It's been a long 16 months of building, people banging on stuff, smells filling up the building, music going, you know, Tejano music, you know what I'm talking about, all kinds of stuff getting torn up, dust everywhere, working in that every day of the week, dealing with that every weekend on Sundays, trying to work around all of that. But I'm telling you what, I am so excited. In fact, if you don't get excited, I'm going to be upset because you ought to be excited with me this morning. I'm so excited to announce today that it is finished. Well, sort of, sort of. Sort of. How many know it's never finished? How many know what I'm saying? And there are still little things that need to be finished up, and we could have rushed around and tried to make them all happen before this weekend. But how many know you're never done? And how many know that's the way it is with the work of God? It's never done, right? It's never done in the ministry. There is always more to do. There's always more people to reach, always more things to accomplish for the kingdom and for the glory of God. And the truth is this morning, it's not about a building anyway. It's about a vision. Everybody say vision. It's about a vision. It's about a vision that God placed in our hearts over 10 years ago. A vision of a place where lives would be changed. A vision of a place that would make an impact upon a community. And the truth is here this morning that as long as there is one person in this community, in these surrounding areas that does not know Jesus Christ, as long as there are people in our community who are not growing and lives being changed in a relationship with Christ... It doesn't matter how many buildings we build or how many ribbon cuttings or grand openings we have. As long as there is one person in our community that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the work is not yet finished. It ain't about a building. It's about lives. It's about people. It's about a vision that God placed in our heart. And that's why this morning I'm super excited to begin this brand new series that we're going to do today and over this next several weeks called Time Capsule. Everybody say Time Capsule. Time capsule. How many have ever seen a time capsule before? Ever seen one? Maybe seen one of those ceremonies. Maybe saw it on the news or saw it on the internet, read it in the newspaper or something like that. And so you kind of get the idea of what a time capsule is all about. They'll take uh, a time capsule and they place things in it that represent that certain era or that certain time or that certain generation. They may take like, you know, popular music or the popular style, the way people dress during that time. They may even put some things that were happening in the current events or some things that, that they just p- don't want people to forget about, things that they want p- to be preserved for the next generation. And I started thinking about this concept, this idea. I started thinking about what if LifeGate had a time capsule? 
What if, what if we were to be able to take the things that are important to us, who we are, what we believe, our vision and our values, what if we were to be able to take and place those things in a time capsule to pre- be preserved and to be passed on to the next generation? What would we put in a time capsule like that? What would we say we're all about? What would be our beliefs? What would be our vision? What would be our values? And what if we could be intentional about passing those things on to the next generation of those that come after us? You know, what's funny is that some things we're really good at being intentional about and other things not so good about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for instance, think about like, like when you're getting married, we're really intentional about planning a wedding, but not very intentional about planning for a marriage. How many know what I'm saying, right? It's like for months, like it might be 10, 12, 14 months, we're planning for this 45-minute event. And I mean, we got to have an event planner and you got to have just the right, you know, just the right venue you and you got to spend all this money it's amazing people spend thousands of dollars on this one day that's going to be this 45 minute event but they never even give any thought to the 45 years after the event how many know what i'm saying and we're really intentional about some things, like when you're gonna have when you're gonna have a baby, especially that first baby. Like you're really intentional about it, and so you're thinking about what you're gonna name the baby, and you're getting the room. You get on Pinterest, right? And you're looking. Come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about because your wives do it. And you're looking at what you want the room to look like, and you're getting it painted just right, and you're buying all the stuff, and you got you got the diapers, and you got the perfect little diaper pail, and you got the stuff that you all. The this stuff that you're planning for this baby to come, but we don't give a whole lot of plan towards how to raise that kid once they're here. And it gets worse with the second one and the third one. How many know what I'm talking about on that first one? Like when the first baby, you know, they drop their passy on the ground. It's like we sterilize that thing and we boil some water and stick it in it. Maybe just throw it away, buy a new one because we can't let our baby suck on a passy that's been on the ground, right? But then when the second one comes along, it's just like, oh, you know, it's running under a little water. Third one, it's just like pop it in their mouth. A little dirt's not going to hurt anybody, right? And we're real intentional about some things, not so intentional about others. And I think it happens even in the church sometimes also that we can be real intentional about building a building and getting it to look just right, just the way we want it to look, and intentional about celebrating when that building is finished. But the truth is, I think that there's more to it than just today. You see, today is not really an ending point. Today is a starting point. Point. And I believe that we need to be intentional not just about getting a building built, but intentional about making sure that the ministry continues on after this day. So here's what we're going to do over this next six weeks. We're going to be doing this series called Time Capsule. And we're going to be looking at what we're all about here at LifeGate Church. What is our vision? What are our values? What are the things that really communicate who we are as a church? And I've got a little time capsule here. And here's what we're going to do. Each week as we discuss each one of these different values that I believe are so important to us as a church, we're going to place an icon in this time capsule each week 
And at the end of this series, we're going to have a dedication service here at the church. And we're going to honor those who have helped us to get to where we are. But we're also going to pass on to the next generation those things that are important to us. We're going to place them in this time capsule. We're going to take them out here in the front. And we're going to bury them down in the ground. And on our 20th anniversary as a church, we're going to pull that thing out of the ground. And we're going to remember what we're all about here at LifeGate. Pretty cool, right? I thought it was pretty cool. I thought that might like get a hand clap or something because I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. And this morning we're going to start by talking about this first, this first value. And I think that this one really, uh, deep down, is the most important. It's where it really kind of all starts. Like everything else kind of springs out of this value that we're going to talk about today. In fact, it might be the very first thing that you kind of notice when you come in. If you're a guest, it might be the thing that you notice right off. Because it, it just comes out in everything that we do. Like all of the other values really kind of spring out of this value that we're going to talk about about today. You see it when you walk in the front, you know, there and the way that people greet you. You see it when you come in the room and the way the worship is and you see it. I mean, it's the reason that you see the worship team up here and they're excited and you got Jessie bouncing around up here like this when she's singing. It's the reason that Drew can open his mouth so wide when he's singing. It's the reason that you see me over here on the side and I'm getting down doing a little jig. It's the reason that we throw our hands up in the air and worship. It's the reason I get a little loud sometimes when I'm preaching. Actually, all the time when I'm preaching. It just comes out in everything that we do. It's the way that we minister to our kids and to our teenagers. This value, just everything that we do, just springs out of this value that we're going to talk about this morning. And the value is called passion. So everybody say passion. Now, you got to say it with some passion, all right? You got to be like, got a little grunt in there, like passion. Come on, passion, passion. We are a passionate people. In fact, this is who we are as a church. We are a people who are passionate for the kingdom of God, passionate for the things of God. Now, you may say, all right, well, what does passion mean? Well, actually, in the dictionary, I looked it up, and I loved the way that it says it in the dictionary. Uh, it says passion is a strong, and I like this, barely controllable Emotion. How many know that's kind of the way passion is? Like it's there and you can control it, but barely, right? I mean, because it just comes, it just comes out like it's in your heart. And when it's in you, it, you just can't help but come out of you, right? In fact, that kind of just leads me to our key thought for this morning. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your notes there today. I want you to say it aloud with me with some passion. So get some uh, in your voice there. All right. Are you ready? One, two, three. The fire that burns within us is changing the world around us. How many know that that's what passion does? When something is deep down inside of you, it doesn't stay deep down inside of you. It begins to come out around you. And that's our vision here at LifeGate Church. Changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And it all begins with this passion that's deep down inside of us. When there's a passion, when there's a fire burning in us, it can't help but change the world around us. That's the way passion works. You see... Passion, it burns inside. It's what gets you up out of bed in the mornings. 
It's what keeps you going when, when you have just those days and you're tired and you don't want to keep going. It's what keeps you going when things get hard. It's what inspires others to want to join into the vision, passion. The fire that burns inside of us is what's going to change this world around us. Now, here's the deal this morning is that there are a lot of people who are passionate. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you might go, well, there's not as much passion in the world as there used to be. You know, there's not as much passion in the church as there used to be. No, 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 no. There's more passion than there's ever been. In fact, I mean, we're passionate about a lot of stuff. Some of you here, you know, you're passionate. Some of you ladies here are passionate about shopping. Come on, any ladies? We got any ladies passionate about shopping here this morning? Come on, guys. You're looking at your credit card statement. You're going, yeah, my wife, she's passionate about shopping. Some of you are passionate about food. Anybody passionate about food? You like to eat? Come on. I know, I know what you're talking about. Here, some of you are passionate about exercise. And the reason you're passionate about exercise is because you were raising your hand that you're passionate about food, right? We're passionate. We're passionate about our TV show. We're passionate about hunting. We're passionate about fishing. Passionate about sports. Some of you are so passionate. I saw your post on Facebook. You're out there at the, at the Rangers game for opening day because you just can't wait. You're passionate about baseball. Some of us, myself today, passionate about golf. Going home to watch the Masters this afternoon. Come on. How many know what I'm saying? Passionate about football. We got any football fans in the house today? In fact, I heard about one guy who was so passionate about football that he had, he had tickets to the Super Bowl. In fact, he had spent all his money to get tickets to the Super Bowl that he would get them every single year for 47 years. And so one year he's at the Super Bowl, and I mean he's right on the, 40, or the 50-yard line, and there he is all by himself, and nobody's sitting in the chair next to him. And so one guy comes up and says, Sir, I know that that ticket costs a ton of money. I can't believe that somebody wouldn't show up to use the ticket sitting there next to you. And he says, well, he says, that ticket belongs to my wife. And we've been at every Super Bowl together for the last 47 years, but she passed away. So the man says, I'm so sorry to hear about your wife who passed away, but surely somebody in your family, like a relative or somebody would take the ticket. He goes, oh, no, they're all at the funeral. (laughs) How many know that's passion right there? How many know that's passion for the wrong things? And the truth is, a lot of people are really passionate about some stuff, right? But that's not the kind of passion that we're talking about today. We're talking about a passion for God, a passion for the things of God. In fact, look what Paul says about it in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11. Look what he says. He says, never be lacking in what? In zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, what? Serving the Lord. Look what Paul says. Paul says, hey, don't lack in passion. I want you to have a passion in your heart. I want you to have a zeal and not a zeal for football or a zeal for cars or a zeal for hunting and fishing or shopping. All those things are good and it's great to be passionate about those things. But here's where I want your real passion to lie. I want you to have a spiritual fervor. I want you to have a passion for serving the Lord. And that's the kind of passion that drives everything that we do here at LifeGate Church. And here's what I want to talk about this morning. I just want to, I want to challenge you to have a passion in your heart 
But not only that, I want to challenge every one of us that we would be a people who would pass this value, who would pass this passion down to the next generation that would follow after us. In fact, that's what we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. If you have your Bibles or if you have your LifeGate app, you can turn there today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 1. Let's read it together. Look what it says. It says, These commands and decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, you must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God for as long as you live. If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy long life. Now listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Now, God is talking to Israel, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. In fact, if you remember the story, man, they'd been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, but now it's time to begin to go in and take the land. Kind of feels like what it's been like for the last 16 months around here. I know it's not 40 years, but it felt like it a few times as we're trying to get this building finished and all that. And they're about to step over the threshold into into a new time, into a new season, into the promised land that God has promised them and is giving them. And the one that they had been waiting for, hoping for, dreaming about for all this time. And he says, now, before you go in, there are a few things that I want to tell you. Look at verse number four. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say, all your hearts. With all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Now check this out. Look look what God is doing. He's saying, hey, you're about to go into a new land that I have promised you. But before you go into the new land, before you step over into that threshold of the new season that I have for you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to establish this value first and foremost before anything else. I want you to have a passion in your heart for God. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Before you step into this new season that I have for you, I want you to reestablish this value of passion for God in your hearts. See, God says, I know you're going to go into a new land. And when you get into the new land, it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be, it's going to be so many great things that I have promised you and that you have been hoping for for all this time. And if you're not careful, it will be easy, even with the blessings of God, to get distracted from what's really most important. Let me tell you something, guys. As we step into this new threshold, as this building is being finished and we begin to step into the next season that God has, for us the truth is that God is blessing and people are coming and we're making a difference in our community and I mean God is doing big things in our church but if we're not careful if we don't at the very beginning establish once again this passion in our heart this value of loving the Lord with all our heart soul mind and strength 
Even the blessings of God can distract us from the most important things. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reestablish the values. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And look what he says. He says, I want you first to commit yourself to it. In fact, he says in verse 6, commit yourself wholeheartedly to these things. Here's what I'm challenging you to do today. First and foremost, in your heart, I am challenging you to allow God to reignite a flame of passion in your heart today. And then look what he says. I don't want you to just have it in yourself, but I want you to intentionally pass it down to the next generation. I don't want it to end with you. I want you to put it in a time capsule. I want you to not only get it in your heart, but I want you to plant it in the hearts of your kids and your grandkids. I want you to leave a legacy of passion for everyone who follows you. And he says, I want you to be intentional about it. I want you to talk about it when you're at home. I want you to talk about it when you're on the road. I want you to talk about when you lie down and when you get up and when you're sitting down to eat. I want you to write it up on the doorpost of your house. I want you to put it on your gates. I want you to tie it around your hands. I want you to be intentional about remembering this thing that started it all. This love for the Lord. This passion to commit yourself and recommit yourself to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to pass that on to the generation that will follow you. And that's what we're doing here this morning and in this series. We are reestablishing the values. We are remembering what we're all about, what started it all. And we're going to intentionally pass it down to the next generation. So for the next just few minutes here today, I just want to look at this passage. And I just want to I just, want to just show you three passions that we want to make sure that we're passing down to the next generation. And then we're going to, we're going to put it in the time capsule and we're going to pray together and celebrate together this morning. But I just want to see just three things real quick if you're taking notes. The first thing, the first passion that we want to pass down to the next generation is that we want, we want to pass down a community worth having. Everybody say community. See, we want to be a people who are passionate about community. We want to be a people who are passionate about love for people. You know, that's what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the kind of passion that we want to have. In fact, we see it right here in this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look, look what it says in verse number 4. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now, I want you to notice these words here, O Israel. Look, what, look who he's talking to. In other words, basically he's saying, this is not an individual thing. I don't want you to just individually love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't want you to just have this in your own heart. And instead, he said, this is, this is a community thing. This is for all of Israel. This is, like, this is like a national faith. This is about not just me having me and God, personal relationship with God. This is more about a community passion for God. Here, oh Israel. See, here's what you have to understand about how the people of this day would have heard this and would have understood this. See, the way they did family back then is a whole lot different than the way we do family now. Like in America, you hear the word family, and you're probably thinking about, you know, me and my wife and my two kids, right? Us four, no more, and it's just us, the ones that live underneath our roof. But in those days, when he was talking about community, when he was talking about here, oh Israel, when he talked about family, it was, it was different for them because family for them wasn't just 
you know, husband and a wife and their two kids and a dog. For them, community, family was husband and wife and the kids and the aunt and the uncle and the grandma and the grandpa and the grandkids. Maybe the people, the servants who worked in the house. And it didn't even have to be blood related. Like they just, they were under one roof. They were a community. They were a family. And it was all centered around this one thing, this love, this passion for the Lord, their God, the one true God. And so they gathered together in community, in family, in love for each other that was centered around this love for God, and it made them stronger. And the truth is, in America today, really this is not a value that we, that we really promote a whole lot. In fact, really in America today, probably the highest value is the value of independence, isn't that what we talk about? You got to be independent. You got to get out there, be yourself, be a self made man, do your thing like parents here. Maybe even today, if I were to ask you, what's the one thing you want to teach your kids before they grow up? You might say, I want to teach them to be independent. I want to teach them to be able to stand on their own two feet, do their own thing. And that's a very Americanized value, but it's not a very Bible value. In fact, in the scripture, we don't see independence, we see a whole lot more interdependence. In fact, that's what God wants for every single one of us. Not to be independent of each other or of Him, but to be incredibly dependent upon Him and dependent upon one another. And this is the passion. This is the value that we want to pass down to our children and to the next generation. This passion of not just love for God, but love for one another. That we would be dependent upon God and dependent upon each other. In fact, throughout the Bible, it talks about this over and over and over throughout the Bible. You just see one another, one another, one another. It talks about be devoted to one another. It talks about accept one another. It talks about be patient with one another. It talks about forgive one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Pray for one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Or maybe just a fist bump would be okay. I'm not sure about that holy kiss thing. But over and over, it says one another, one another, one another. And here's what happens when we begin to have this passion for God that flows into our passion for one another. When we begin to build this kind of biblical community, there's a greater strength. In fact, when you send your kids off to school and their, kid, their friends are saying, What? You don't drink? You don't party? What's the matter with you? They say, No, 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 no. It's not me. It's us. I got a whole community of people and we don't drink and we don't party and we live for God. It's not just me standing out here by myself all on my own. It's us together in this thing. What's the matter? You saving yourself for marriage? What's wrong with you? Nobody does that anymore. That's just super old fashioned. No, 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 no. It's not just me. I got a whole group of friends that's committed to living pure before God. And there's a strength that comes along with that. Your kids go off to college and the professor is going, you believe all that Jesus stuff? Something's wrong with you and that's all outdated. And you're able to go, no, no, no. It's not just me. I got a whole community Hundreds, not just hundreds, thousands, actually not just thousands, millions of people for hundreds and thousands of years who believe that Jesus stuff. And I'm in a community of faith and I'm passionate about that. Come on, this is good stuff. 
We're going to be intentional about passing down a community worth having. Number two, look at this, a standard worth achieving. What it says in verse number five, it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and commit yourself wholeheartedly. Everybody say wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving to you today. Look what he says. He says, love the Lord, not with part of your heart, not just when it's convenient, not just on Sundays when everybody else is doing it, not just when your friends aren't making fun of you for it. No, no, no. What does he say? He says, love the Lord your God, what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. Commit yourself wholeheartedly to these things. See, when he was talking to the people of that day, they would have understood it a little differently than we understand it today. See, I mean, today we go to church, take our kids to church, and we teach them a little, a little memory verse, you know. How many remember remembering the memory verse when you're a kid? And we do that here at LifeGate too. And you get like one memory verse for the whole month, and you repeat it over and over, and it's like you know six words, okay? And you're repeating this thing, trying to remember this thing. No, that's not the way it was back then. When he was talking about commit yourself wholeheartedly, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he would have been talking to a people that by the age of 12 years old they would have have would have memorized not just a little memory verse they would have memorized the entire old testament that's a pretty big deal you say how in the world 12 year old how could a 12 year old do something like that and here's here's the whole point here this morning because someone challenged them to do it see here's what we do in our society today so many times is we dumb everything down so much and we lower the bar and lower our expectations because we don't want nobody to get their feelings hurt. We don't want nobody to be upset. And so you don't even have to win nothing to get a trophy. All you got to do is just show up. How many know what I'm talking about? Because we don't want little Johnny to get their feelings hurt, right? And we don't challenge anybody. We don't challenge the next generation to raise the bar and to go to, a next, to, a, to another level. But I believe this morning with all of my heart that there is a generation that's just waiting on some moms and dads and some grandmas and some grandpas and some pastors and some youth pastors and some leaders. There is a generation that's just waiting on someone to give them a challenge, someone to believe in them, someone to say, you can do it. And there is a standard that is so much higher than this generation is living. And I'm calling you up to that next standard of living. (laughs) To be passionate about this uh, something that's worth a standard that's worth living for. And you know what? When you, when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at his teachings, Jesus didn't water it down. Jesus didn't lower the standards. In fact, what did Jesus do? Every single time, Jesus took the standard where it was and he raised it to another notch. He said, hey, you've heard it said, don't murder. Here's what I'm telling you. Don't even hate somebody in your heart because if you've hated them in your heart, you've already murdered them. You've heard it said, don't, don't have adultery or whatever. And he says, hey, here's what I'm telling you. Don't just not have adultery. Here's what I'm telling you. If you even look at a woman 
with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. And he didn't lower the standard. He raised the standard. And I'm telling you here today, I believe that passion, here's what passion will do in us. Passion will give us a standard worth living for. It will call us to step up to another level of living. That we would be a people who would say, I don't want to just be a little Sunday morning Christian, a little Bible belt. I go to church on Sunday because everybody else goes to church on Sunday. I want to be a person who loves the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And I want to be a person who is passing that on to my kids and my grandkids and everyone that goes on beyond me. And that's what God has called us to do here as a church. Maybe you're a mom or a dad here today, and maybe you're saying, man, I'm just trying to teach my kid to have a little work ethic. Well, maybe you need to raise the standard a little bit. I mean, maybe they need to get a part-time job, but maybe even more than that, maybe, you need to, maybe they need to get a lawnmower and get some flyers and get out there and start a business. They can do it if you just challenge them to do it. Well, I'm just trying to get my kids, if I could just get them to go to school and just, you know, not get in trouble, you know, not go to the principal's office or get sent home or get expelled. If they could just, I could just get them to be good. No, no, no. What if you begin to challenge them to, hey, don't just go to school and be good and be popular. What if you begin to challenge them? You can be a leader in your school and people will follow you and you are the light of the world and you can share Christ with your friends and with your teachers and with the principals and with the people that come around you. Don't don't just go to, church, go to school and just be good. Go to school and be great. Be the leader that God called you to be. Well, you know, if I, you know, we'll just go to church, you know, as long as it's not, not too sunny outside and we want to get out and do something, or as long as it's not too rainy outside and we just want to sleep in, and as long as we didn't stay out too late the night before, and as long as there's not any sporting events on TV that we want to watch, and we'll just go every once in a while. No, no, no. You say, hey, we're going to raise the standard, and we're going to be at church not just every once in a while, but every single Sunday, and we're not just going to be at church but we're going to teach our kids that we're going to get involved in church and we're going to find a place to lead and find a place to serve and yeah you might be 12 years old but you could lead a small group in the life kids or you could serve and volunteer in the nursery or you could be an usher or a greeter God has something for you and I'm calling you to a higher standard of living well, you know, just try not get pregnant. I know that kids are going to do it these days, so let's just hand out some condoms and just, you know, as long as you just be safe and try not to get pregnant. No, what if we decided, hey, we're going to challenge the next generation to live a life of purity and not just physical purity, but emotional purity and, and spiritual purity, that not just, that it would be pure in our hearts and pure in our minds and that we would live it and that we would pass it on to the next generation. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. It's good stuff. We're going to give them a passion, a passion for a community worth having, for a standard worth achieving. Number three, we're going to pass on a faith worth reproducing. Look what the scripture says there in verse number seven. These commands that I give to you today are to be upon your heart. And look what he says. Impress. Everybody say impress. Impress them upon your children. Notice he doesn't just say teach them to your children. What does he say? He says, impress them upon your children. How many know that children are very impressionable? And, and the next generation, here's the deal today, is the next generation is not going to do what you teach them to do. 
They're going to do what you show them by the way that you live. And it's one, it's one thing to speak the words with our mouth. It's another thing to live this kind of life on a daily basis. Moms and dads, I, I, love, I love what somebody said. They said, you can teach what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. We wonder, why are why my kids not this or that or the other? And it's not, it's not that you're not telling them. It's, it's what you're showing them. And the truth is here this morning, here's the bottom line for this whole, this whole thing here this morning, is that if it's not real in you, it's probably not going to be real in them. And they're watching. They're looking. They're seeing how you're living. And if it's just all a bunch of words, if it's all just a bunch of, hey, we go to church on Sundays and we live differently during the week, then guess what? That's what they're going to do when they get older. Or even more than that, they might just reject, reject the church altogether because they see in you that it's not real. And I'm telling you what, they can spot a fake from a mile away. And we can't just say it. We've got to live it. We've got to inspire. We've, we've got to model out what it means to have a faith that is worth reproducing. And I'm telling you today, if you want to raise up kids that have a passion and a love for God, you've got to be a person that has a passion and a love for God in your heart. If you want to raise up kids that know how to pray, they've got to see you spending time in prayer. If you want to raise up kids that know how to share their faith with others, they got to see you living it out and sharing your faith with others around you. You want to raise up kids that are going to be faithful to the house of God, they got to see you being a person who's committed and faithful to the house of God. If you want to raise up kids that are using their gifts for the kingdom of God, you got to be a person that's using your gifts. If you want to raise up those that are generous, you need to be a person that is generous. If you want to raise up people who are serving God with all their heart, soul, mind, mind and strength, then it must be in you first before it can be reproduced in them. Well, but pastor, you know, I'm not perfect. I mess up sometimes. And here's the deal. They're not expecting you to be perfect. They're just looking for people who are being perfected. It doesn't mean that we cram it down the next generation's throat. It just means that we live it out. We allow God to put a passion in our hearts. We reestablish that value today. Because here's the deal. is Today is a stepping over a new threshold into a new beginning. See, today's not the finish line. Today is just a new starting line. As we open up this building. In fact, the whole, the whole reason we started this whole deal is because we didn't have room enough for our kids. So we built the whole thing for the kids. And this is what we're all about. We're all about passing to the next generation a passion and a love for God, and it's, it's the fire that burns on the inside of us that is changing the world around us. And we're going to be intentional about it. We're going to talk about it when we sit at home. We're going to talk about it when we go to bed at night and we pray for our kids. We're going to talk about it when we're sitting around the dinner table and we're driving in the car. We're going we're gonna to put it up on the wall to remind us. We're going to tie it around our hands or whatever we got to do. Put it in our phone. Whatever we got to do to remind us. We're going to put it in a time capsule and bury it in the ground to remind us of what we're all about and what 
what God has called us to do. And we're going to be a people who have a passion. We're going to be a people who's going to pass down a community worth having and a standard worth achieving and a faith worth reproducing. And that passion that's burning in us is going to change the world around us. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand.